0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Rabbit Weasel podcast, episode number 28, Tales from the Crypt, 1972. Uh, I'm Jared, your host. I'm here, as always, with uh, my brother, Justin. Justin, how are you today?
1: Doing okay today, man. Happy to be here, as always. Um, uh, a A lot of crazy things going on, but really happy to be here with you and Mia to talk about Tales from the Crypt. It has gave me some fun horror to think through today.
0: That's the idea, escape from the problems of the real world. (laughs) Sometimes
1: sometimes we need it. Uh, Sometimes we analyze it
0: academically and think it through.
1: Sometimes it's a nice escape, uh, which it was today for me. And uh, I'm excited to chat with it, chat about it with y'all.
0: Good. And we're here with Mia. That's Justin's wife. So my sister-in-law. Mia, how are you doing? I'm
2: doing good, sipping a glass of wine, and ready to talk about tales from the Crips. Cheers on that.
0: Cheers! Account. Cheers! <laughs> it gets loud. What kind of uh, what kind of wine are you drinking over there? It, it
1: is, is a merlot,
0: a merlot. Uh, I
2: have the decoy. I'm
0: and and it's it the that. it's the decoy, yeah. Yeah. So the decoy.
1: Product <laughs> placement. Product placement. Sponsor us. Woo-hoo! We love decoy. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, we're we're not quite there yet. Although we've, we've been starting to get some uh, some more followers, more listens. But anyways, uh, Taiwan. We were supposed to do a Taiwanese movie today, as you could tell from listening to the the intro. We are not covering the Taiwanese film Detention. <laughs> we, tried. Um, we tried. So you guys were having problems finding it, and I found it. And but we couldn't get it with English subtitles. So yeah, man. Yeah, we kind of nixed that idea. <laughs> Maybe we'll get it back later if I can find somewhere with English subtitles. But uh, my Chinese still isn't quite good enough for that. And uh, yeah, you, you guys, it <laughs> kind of defeats the purpose if you don't understand anything. So sorry, detention. We'll get back to you eventually. Um, but we are covering Tales from the Crypt. Now, this is the 1972 film, as I said, not the TV show. Which is what comes up
1: if you start Googling Tales from the Crypt. Uh, the, tea, the television show is what you're likely to come across, I think. So you should yes. look for the movie and uh, look for to 1972 because this is one of those instances where it does matter.
2: <laughs> yeah, we, we watched it through Tubi. I had to mm-hmm. yep. look for it through Tubi because I tried Amazon, Hulu, Netflix. I think maybe YouTube had it, but Tubi had it for free.
0: Yeah, it's really is a great resource. If anybody hasn't uh, made use of that, they've got an endless library of all kinds of obscure stuff. So, oh, um,
2: awesome.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, I'll get into in a minute. I want to talk a little bit about, uh, cause this is actually Tales from the Crypt. If anyone doesn't know, it comes from EC Comics, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. And this is our second episode talking about uh, having to do with EC Comics. The first was way back in episode number four creep show so yeah uh, creep show one of my favorite movies of all time and well, let's start with thoughts on this movie so let's go to Mia Mia I don't think you had seen this one before
2: no I have not seen this one before it was yeah. my very first time viewing it
0: okay what did you think um
2: I'm gonna give it a score of a C I think I think it I think it the whole point I think it was just to be a fun kind of like a uh, horror type movie, which, uh, which it was, uh, probably it was, it was, it was, which it was. <laughs> a horror type, fun horror type movie.
1: <laughs> it's a nice anthology. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah.
2: Um, it's not my favorite movie so far, but I enjoy the creativity.
0: Yeah, breaking my heart, breaking my heart. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, this is my kind of movie. I love anthology films. I love EC. So, but before I get off on my my thoughts, Justin, what did you think? You you were saying beforehand you would think maybe I showed you this movie before or at least parts of it.
1: Yeah, uh, but maybe not. Uh, maybe I'm uh, confusing it with Creepshow as I'm reflecting here. Um, so it's certainly the first time like that I can really remember watching it carefully. And I when me and I talked about it, we we decided to do scoring today for some reason. Um, and uh she started out with a d and i started out with a b uh and we put our minds together and uh yeah i i think it would have it's probably a lot of fun for 1972 it has several serious hits some misses and so yeah i think that earns it you know uh Uh, an okay an
0: okay feedback from me as well
2: i can see jared's heartbreaking
0: (laughs) (laughs) yeah i'm gonna have to be in defensive mode for the rest of the podcast. uh okay well you know we can't always usually we're pretty much on the same page so this this is a you know it's good for discussion all right so that's where we're coming from i i mean like i said i love this movie uh a little bit of history on the film and the background So this was by Amicus Productions. It was a British film company in the 60s and 70s. This was just one of many of these anthology films that they did. This was actually one of the later ones. I think the first one was 1965, and then they did a couple more after this. I don't consider it the best one, uh, but it's pretty good, I think, for the anthology films that Amicus put out. And to understand this movie, you have to understand EC Comics, which is one of my favorite things ever horror things ever. Oh boy. And we could do a whole podcast or several podcasts on EC comics because I have all those old comics, uh, reprints, I should say. But the short version of it is when we talk about EC comics, we're usually talking about a time period from about 1949 to 1955, where they did other genres as well, but they're most well known for their horror comics. Most people have heard, uh, this one is named after Tales from the Crypt. There were two others, Haunt of Fear and Vault of Horror. I guess because of this movie and the TV show, everyone knows Tales from the Crypt, but basically they were pretty much the same thing. Each comic had a, a host. You had the Crypt Keeper, Vault Keeper, and the Old Witch, but they all appeared in each other's comics, so they're all pretty much the same. Go ahead, Justin.
1: Yeah, I have a question. I have a question. So... Um... The EC Comics, one of the things that I wanted to just touch on real quickly uh, that I did not warn you about, but uh, one of the things we talked about the EC Comics, what what kind of brought down the time period of their reign there? And just kind of briefly from the history standpoint, because my understanding was it wasn't because it became unpopular. Uh, there were other things going on that kind of stifled the EC Comics run. So would you mind just saying a little bit about what what kind of brought the end to the EC Comics? I think people might find that interesting
0: yeah i'm not there yet but i'm definitely Ah,
2: jumping ahead
0: (laughs) typical justin okay carry on and i'm not going from i didn't even bother to write down a script or whatever for this part i'm just kind of winging it because i know enough about this stuff so yeah these comics were um they were they were wonderful i still consider them some of the best comics ever made you had uh, there's just a huge explosion of creativity with very talented writing and drawing So they were usually um, morality stories, you know, although they could be very gory, very uh, gruesome. It was usually somebody does something bad and they get punished. So I I love this stuff. Very creative, very fun a lot of times. But, yeah, as Justin was saying, what ultimately happened here was there was a moral panic. um, And part of it was a a psychologist. Uh, who kind of turned against these comics and wrote a book called Seduction of the Innocent, telling everybody that these comics were causing juvenile delinquency and everybody panicked and freaked out. And it actually ended up in a Senate hearing. The United States Senate had a hearing on these comics, okay? Um, And how they were Mm -hmm. contributing to the downfall of society, basically. And it was destroying the youth. Uh, Ultimately, what happened was the comic industry came together and said, The government's going to come against us if we don't do something. So they created the Comics Code Authority uh, basically self-censoring themselves. And EC was one of the main targets of this whole crusade, I guess. And it mostly destroyed them. I mean, there was still... They still did a little bit of horror um, and they did some other other things, but it was not quite the same. They had to be self-censor a lot and there was a the public had turned against them at this point. Fortunately, they had a one very big success that kept going called Mad Magazine, so that that kept them afloat. <laughs> but yeah, that's the brief story of EC Comics. It's really unfortunate because, like I said, for about five or six years it was awesome, and then it all just came to a stop. So it's a very <sighs> interesting my, time. Yeah,
1: thanks yeah. for sharing. That's my uh, that's my recollection as well um, from our conversation. So um yeah i think the what i heard in summary was uh kind of fuck you censorship of art uh, that's what i heard so uh, hopefully uh that's one takeaway from the moralizing that we have today
0: yeah it was so this is a uh, not to get too preachy but this was this is a trend that we've seen several times uh you know it was this then it was heavy metal music dungeons and dragons what harry potter and pokemon in our lifetimes oh, uh, yeah it's always something harry you know potter book burns. Woo! all right carry on so yeah it's always something that's going to destroy <laughs> society and to be fair these comics were i'm sure they were very shocking at the time because uh it's <laughs> some of it can be very intense but i still see them as morality stories if you take the time to read them it's usually bad people do bad things and get punished you know But anyways, let's jump into it. All right. Uh, So this was 1972. Yes, Tales from the Crypt. All right. So one thing I should mention that uh, I forgot to mention real quickly, the stories usually end in a twist ending. So if you like Twilight Zone or stuff like that, almost all of these were twist ending stories. So this film opens with... (laughs) Hey, I'm going to show my culture here, my education. Box, Toccata, and Fugue. Did you guys know the name of that piece? I did not. I didn't know the name. Man. But,
2: our, once but I you heard. know the piece. Oh Yeah, yes. you
0: know the piece. I think
2: like it even ended up, ended up like in a Scooby-Doo movie or something like <laughs> that. How, how could <laughs> it have <know> not?
0: <laughs> so this is maybe, as much as I love that piece of music, it's maybe the most cliche horror music you can think of, right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. And, even at this point it was already cliche so i think when you hear that you know you're in for something fun and maybe don't take it too terribly seriously um but the music plays over the credits and there's sweeping shots of an old cemetery and we follow a tour group through some catacombs that's that's a fun word i don't get to use enough catacombs The tour guide warns everyone that the catacombs are dangerous, so they should all stay together and not lose their way. So, immediately, five people get separated from the group and they find themselves in a room with the movie's equivalent, the movie's version of The Crypt Keeper. Um, before we get into The Crypt Keeper, did you guys watch the 90s creep show? I did not, I the, the 90s creep show, yeah, I or... think so.
2: Um, I used to watch HBO. the '90s Tales of the Crypt. I guess. But yeah, I Tales that from that. the Crypt
0: is what I meant to say.
2: The so the um I did. I mean, how could you forget? Let me see if I could do the laugh properly. <laughs> ah,
0: <laughs> I do remember that. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How can you forget Tell, that? You can't. Uh, I had it. Did I say '90s <laughs> Creep Show? '90s Crypt. Yes. I don't know. <laughs> Sorry, it's it's still early for me here. It's the weekend, but yes, Tales from the Crypt, the 1990s HBO show. So. Yeah, one thing I wanted to talk about here is that no one ever really gets the Crypt Keeper right. <laughs> um, so in this one, how would what he's like a, a monk or something? Mm-hmm. I mean, we find out who he is later, but he looks like just a monk, right? Yeah. Um, so he, he's very serious, an older man. He has like a brown hood and a cloak. Now after this. The Crypt Keeper was always portrayed as sort of like a, a zombie, almost a skeleton, you know. Uh, you remember him in Creep Show. And then he didn't speak in that one. And then in the 90s version, the TV show, they got the personality right. You know, the Crypt Keeper and all those, they were very, they had a wicked sense of humor. They were always talking fast with puns. Yeah. Uh, but he doesn't look like anything in the comic. In the comic, they were, he was just like an, Old creepy-looking guy, um, so I don't know. For some reason, you either get the personality, or in this one, you kind of get the appearance, but you never quite get it the same. Yeah, get it right, but anyways, I also no one ever brings in the vault keeper or the old witch from the other two comics, but oh well. Uh, so here's vault the guard
1: to creep or an old witch.
0: Those would be awesome yeah. additions to this. Yeah, the vault keeper pretty much looks like the crypt keeper except he has a hood. And then the old witch is, well, an old witch. Um, They're the hosts of the other comics. Yeah, I don't know why they never get used for some reason. Probably this movie, everyone just remembers Tales from the Crypt, even though Vault of Horror and Haunts of Fear were pretty much the same thing. But but anyways, I just wanted to throw that out, that for some reason we never really get the Crypt Keeper completely right. Um, So what does he do? They find themselves in a room with this old monk-like guy, and he makes them all sit down. He asked one lady why she came and what her plans are when she leaves. And she just seems confused. And we start our first story. Now, Justin, this is probably the one that you have seen. If you haven't seen the whole movie, you probably saw this before. Because what do you want to tell them about our little Christmas tradition? I think it's come up before.
1: Oh, yeah. (laughs) That's great. It is. Oh, my goodness. Well-placed so yeah every year we get pajama pants for christmas and every year we um uh wait on uh wait on santa to come still as grown adults still, and
0: um well not least quite these last couple years i've been on the other side of the world
1: (laughs) don't ruin the story damn it um Yeah, no. Uh, up until probably covid times. Uh, that is how we that is how we did things.
0: For a long time we would play what was it the house of the dead games on the weekend. Yeah. On yep. But yep, yep, yep. one year or at least a couple years I showed you this story. I don't remember if it was from this movie or from Perfect. the Tales from the Crypt TV show because this story it's called And all through the house and it's the one with the Santa Claus. Perfect. It's actually been yeah, it was adopt, adapted for this movie and the TV show. So I, I showed you this. The short yeah. version is I showed you this one night on uh, Christmas Eve.
1: <laughs>
0: okay. So I can't remember which one I showed you. So when you were mentioning earlier, you weren't sure, oh, did I see this or not? It may be because I showed you just this segment.
1: Yeah, that would make sense. And they're like, maybe we started a second one, but then it was uh, then it was time. Then it was yep. time awesome
0: so anyways this segment is called uh and all through the house it comes from vault of horror number 35 and uh oh one thing i didn't mention so the movie is called tales from the Crypt, but only like two of the stories actually come from a tales from the crypt comic <laughs> the rest are either from vault of horror or haunt of fear like That's our first funny. one here not tales from the crypt It's vault of horror <laughs> It is the night of Christmas Eve in a very nice house. Um, A man puts down the last present for his wife under the tree, and he sits down to read a newspaper. But he is murdered from behind by his wife, Joanne. Yes, the same woman from the catacombs. So we can kind of figure out the stories about her. Either this is what she did or what she could do. We don't know. We'll find out later. She quickly gets out a life insurance policy just to let us know why she's doing what she's doing. Um, And before she can start cleaning up the mess, she gets a call from her young daughter upstairs, which is kind of shitty to murder your husband when your daughter's upstairs. But her daughter's excited for Santa because it's Christmas Eve. So she puts her to bed and then goes to move her husband's body. Then an announcement comes over the radio, which I'm going to read the announcement in full because I think it's hilarious. Uh (laughs) We interrupt this program for a special announcement. A man described as a homicidal maniac has escaped from the hospital for the criminally insane. He is six foot three inches tall, 210 pounds, dark eyes, bald, and may be wearing a Santa Claus costume taken from a shop in Burley. All residents of the county are warned to be on the lookout for this man and to phone the police if they see him. We now continue our program of carols for Christmas Eve. That's great. That's, that's great, great. Yeah. That's great. great. Humor. It's Christmas Eve. There's a crazy guy dressed as Santa. Be on the lookout. Okay. So, Joanne, she rushes to lock the door. Just in time, because in movie fashion, what she heard on the radio is immediately relevant. Um, the man is, comes to her house and is trying to get in. She goes to phone the police, but guys, why can't she call the police? Because she
2: just murdered her husband
0: yes she's right just there <laughs> <laughs> our husband's corpse is lying on the living room floor so she can't call the police um she puts the phone down and starts running around the house locking doors and windows as the man tries to find a way in then this is i don't know maybe smart she throws her husband down the basement stairs <laughs> just chunks him uh, and makes it look like that is what killed him. She had hit him in the head, so she kind of arranges him uh, to make it look like he died from falling down the stairs and she even goes and like scoops up some of his blood and pours it around his head. <laughs> um, but then she still has to clean up the actual murder scene. The cleaning it
1: up we were getting a good kick out of because the special effects were very uh, hmm low grade (laughs) low grade uh cheap i'm not sure what the answer is but it looked like very clearly like red paint that congealed in no way similar to blood metal Uh, (laughs) it wasn't even attempted yeah
0: it's just like wipes it off oh blood gone all right well first off all the blood is on like this white furry (laughs) thing So, yeah, there's no way that should come out. But, yeah, the blood is not the best-looking blood we've ever seen in a a movie. Like you said, it's basically just red paint. (laughs) But, anyway, she's trying to clean it up. Then she remembers, oh, I have a daughter. Um, (laughs) She finds that she has let the killer in. Her daughter has let the killer in, thinking it was the real Santa. And the crazy man attacks her, strangles her, and then we go back to the catacombs. Okay. Okay. That is it all through the house. So, uh, Justin, I'll let you give your thoughts first. What did you think about the story? Yeah. This uh, uh, so I like the Christmas theme, of course.
1: Um, characters are a little weak in the short story they would get. And there's not a lot of reward uh, from a horror standpoint when Santa does show up. Um, so I think it's okay it's an okay start to what's coming
0: um i think is what i'll is what i'll say okay mia what did you think about this first segment
2: so i think this is just like a fun kind of like segment because i think it's hilarious that she kills her husband and then immediately she can't do anything about it because now someone's trying to break into (laughs) her house right and she's all her efforts are undone because her daughter lets the killer and um
1: Money, but, I, I in. Yeah.
2: <laughs> but i think hers is probably the less gruesome death of all of, yep. i mean one that you get into it right it's just the first and it's the less gruesome i guess because it kind of looks like he's giving her a back massage towards- <laughs>
0: so i got she's you to strangle her <sighs> and she's just like oh,
2: but uh, it's just a, a fun sketch, I think, um, because I'm so used to, like, Night of the Demon and all these, like, just blood and guts, and I was just a little underwhelmed.
0: <laughs> okay. Yeah. Remember, we're still back in 1972. Mm-hmm. Um, so this is, I, I like it. I think it's a fun one. Uh, the Christmas theme is obviously very strong. It's a good one. I try to watch this around Christmas every year. Um, the The story is mostly quiet. There's not much dialogue. It's just kind of her dealing with what she's done. So to cover that up, there's Christmas carols playing on the radio constantly. You know, from the beginning um, to the end, you just constantly hear Christmas carols. And it it sets the mood very well, I think. Um, I believe, I could be wrong. Someone tell me if I am, because I'd like to know. This was the first killer Santa, at least in the comics it was. And that's become kind of its own subgenre, killer Santa movies. There's been quite a few of them, um, but I think this was the first. Yeah, and I just love it. It's that mix of like horror and silliness that I really like. One thing I want, one thing I did was I reread all the stories um, in preparation for this because I wanted to compare the adaptation oh, to cool. the comic. And this one came from I already said Vault of Horror number thirty-five. Um, I also said this one was already also in the nineties the 90s TV show. So one day I want to compare all three stories, but for now this one is very close to the original comic. Um the only differences were that in the comic she doesn't fake his death at the bottom of the stairs. That whole thing was added in. Instead she was planning to take his body somewhere, but then she couldn't leave the house because of the, the killer Santa. Also, in the comic it specifically states that the killer is not a threat to men or children, only women. That's his thing. He, he kills women. You oh, oh shoot. Yeah. Like a uh, serial killer. So, yeah. So, so that's why I mean in the story, why doesn't he hurt the kid? Yeah, he's a he's a that kind of serial killer where he has this one kind of person he likes to go after. Um, so he's built up more in the comic like he's after women and he does horrible things to them. Whereas in the in this one it's just like, oh he's a homicidal maniac on the loose um but yeah so that's why theoretically if she hadn't killed her husband maybe she would have been okay (laughs) but yeah it's just that's the difference the comic says oh he does not hurt children or men he's only interested in hurting women so there you go that's the differences Drives
1: home the moralist point like she is the only one that will be revenged Mm -hmm.
0: but i've always liked the idea of you know she can't get help because of something she did. Yeah, <laughs> that's great. Like, yeah. well, I can't call the police because there's a dead body that I just killed. Uh, but yeah, all right, that's all. All through the house, um, well, I think yeah. it's a good way to start off. And then Mia, segment two. Do you want to take this one?
2: Sure. So segment yeah. two is called "Reflection of Death," and it's from "Tales from the Crypt" number twenty-three. And in this story, we have we meet a man named Carl who leaves his wife and children at home one night. um, And he says he's going to go to a sudden business trip. But where he really is going is to pick up his lover, (laughs) Susan, who's been having an affair with her. And they're about to leave town together and start a new life and give up everything they had. But on the road, he starts to get tired and Susan takes the wheel. And then they start to suddenly like, uh, he starts to have like a, A nightmare and starts yelling out, and then yeah, and then he goes back to sleep, and then suddenly when he wakes up again, they're swerving off the road because there's a giant truck coming their way, and then they have this terrible accident as they're trying to avoid the truck. Uh, and then the rest of the story is really from the point of view of Mr. Cheating Carl, who uh (laughs) who wakes up in the uh, flames of the car looking for uh Susan and he can't find her. So he's wandering around. He comes up on like this old, uh, not old man, but like, a, I guess it's like a a community member or a homeless man.
0: (laughs) Yeah. It was a homeless (laughs) Uh, man.
2: Yeah. It's a homeless man. And he's scared and runs away. And then he goes back home at his house and notices, I believe the last name on the door has changed. Um, and he knocks on the door uh and his wife, opens the door and she just screams and yells and goes back inside and he can't understand why and he finally goes back to susan's old apartment and she lets him in and he she's not terrified by him when she first sees him and he comes in and he's like susan it's me cheating carl mm-hmm. <laughs> um i can find you and then she's like well carl died was it like two years ago Mm -hmm. two years ago years ago yeah and i i have lost my sight and so then you see carl look into what i think i believe is like either a window or mirror or something like that and he you see his burnt face you realize um susan doesn't scream because she can't see him because he's blind but uh but he's all burnt up from the accident and he's been i guess wandering around for two years
1: yeah, I don't know. Um but but then but then there's oh, a little uh, bit more. Oh
2: yeah, that's right. All right, that's right. But then he wakes up in the car with Susan. <laughs> Sorry. Forgot about that part. He wakes up again in the car with Susan. Susan thinking that it was all a dream. But then the car crash actually happens.
1: Da-da. Yes. He's in repeat okay. and reload, repeat, and reload, repeat. Experience torturous death over and over
0: again. Yeah, that was pretty good. Not much to add there uh, except for, yeah, it's all after the crash. It all is like first-person perspective. It's from his point of view. So, Mia, since you told us that story, what did you think about this segment?
2: So, I love when people get their comeuppance. Um, And it was really interesting to see the story uh cuz i was not expecting the whole like when he wakes uh when he goes searching for people like i knew there was going to be something wrong with him like his face was going to be like there was going to be something wrong with him um i would have loved to know what happened but i know it's like a you know just a story in the two years but i thought it was great that he you know he was about to leave everything everything behind had this horrible accident and then life has moved on without him and i thought i like this one i thought it was a great story
1: Okay. Justin, what about you? Uh yeah, I will be agreeing with my wife again, I guess, but on for I guess slightly different reasons. So it's it's fun how it's shot from his point of view after the wreck, which I like. Um yeah. and I really like the ending. I really like that it's like he's in a loop as like a form of kind of like torturous hell for his uh for his ways, I guess um so yeah i like the twist at the end um and i like uh you know the how it's shot from his point of view and everyone's reactions to him and although he could have checked his face in the mirror at the cars (laughs) and the houses so he had some opportunities
2: for the record,
1: but he's, he's kind of in the midst of a two-year...
2: You need the great reveal at the end, yeah, I mean, right? I Both understand. him and Susan yeah, yeah. get their and She's unfortunately yeah. now blind, and I guess he's all burned up.
0: Yeah. Yeah, so, yeah. guys, we're we're completely off today because I this is maybe my least favorite segment. Uh-huh. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, yeah, for a few reasons. One, I can see the twists. I, I saw the twist coming, you know, I mean, um, well, you don't know if he's dead or if he's just horribly burnt, and that's why people are screaming, running from him. I mean, you know at least that he's burnt, so he looks horrible, because you can see like his his arms, right, that are burnt. Um, the fake out that it was all a dream, uh, but then it really happens, to me seems a little bit unnecessary. You know, I don't like that that sort of trope where it was all a dream, but then it's really happening, and... Uh, I think it's just been overdone it's it works a little better in the comic I think because in the comic it's implied that maybe he's trapped in a loop you know that he just has to go through this over and over and over again but because of the overarching story here we know that he gets out of that loop so it feels a little bit out of place um yeah so for me you're just kind of waiting for the reveal and when it gets there i'm like yeah okay i knew that was coming um but this one is pretty close to the comic except for the whole thing with him leaving his wife for, leaving his family for another woman that was all added in and um, in the original story it's just this guy driving back home after a new year's party and the main character is you it's supposed to be you from your perspective And Carl is your friend who's driving with you instead of Susan. Um, Instead of being told that the accident takes place two years later, he finds a newspaper on the ground uh, that is dated two months later. So that's how he finds out. Yeah. Then the same double fake out happens at the end. But like I said, I kind of like it better in the comics because it's implied that he's, like I said, trapped in a loop or maybe he's in hell where he has to keep going from the same thing over and over again. Yeah. It's not that I don't like this one. It's just, um, I think it's, to me, it's one of the weaker segments, but it's great that you guys like it. A little
1: bit of diversity, uh, <laughs> today. A bit of, diversity of opinion. I like it.
0: Yeah. And I actually, I mean, I like the uh, the change of having it being a man leaving his family to go off with another woman because love triangles were a big part, something you saw a lot in the old EC Comics. So anyways, now we get to what might be my favorite Poetic Justice mm-hmm um i'll take this one so here we go do it Mm -hmm. this is from haunts of fear number 12. okay uh in this story so we have james he's a very wealthy young man he lives with his father in a very wealthy neighborhood and james hates his neighbor grimsdyke because basically because he's poor right he's a garbage man um who refuses to sell his small old small old home and James says that hurts the property value. So if this isn't class warfare, or class whatever term you want to use, uh, yeah, it's, it's very not subtle again, right, with the morals here. you got a rich guy, and he's rich and snobby, and he hates the poor guy because he's poor. Um, but
1: yeah.
0: <laughs> Grimsdyke is played. Did you guys know who that was? I mean, I know you can see it in my notes, but. Yeah, I did not. Uh, that is Peter Cushing, everybody. Peter Cushing, he's in a lot of these amicus anthology films. And uh, if you don't know who Peter Cushing is, you need to learn about him. He's not quite as well-known as, say, Vincent Price or Christopher Lee, but he's up there. Uh, he's, He's just an icon, a great actor. Now, here, he is an old man. He's a garbage collector, poor, like we said, and his wife has died. So it's already kind of sympathetic. He keeps himself busy by caring for several pet dogs that he has presumably just found and playing with the neighborhood children. He makes toys for them and stuff like that. Now, despite his kindness, uh, how nice Grimstack is, James, the evil rich guy, he can only see a poor man who is an eyesore on the commu- community. So he conspires to get rid of him. They've been trying to get him to sell his house and move away, but uh, he's sentimental because that's where he lived with his, his wife. Right. So the first thing that James does, he destroys a neighbor's rose garden in the middle of the night and blames it on Grimsdyke's, Grimsdyke's dogs, leading to all of them being taken away by the government. So, yeah. So yeah. This is
1: really sad watching all his dogs be taken away.
0: Yeah, this one's heartbreaking. Like, I, I legitimately get emotional during this story. So he's lost his wife. Now all his dogs are gone. Um, but that night, we learn maybe there's a little more to Grimsdyke because he's using, uh, like, a a Ouija board and some automatic writing techniques to communicate with his dead wife. And all we get from her is one word it just says danger. <laughs>
1: hmm.
0: So next James and his father convince a city councilor to get Grimsdyke fired from his job, which, I mean, obviously he's poor. Now he has no source of income and he's two years <laughs> away from retirement. So he loses his retirement income. Um, there's not to be too mean to Dyke. there's a nice little moment here where one of the dogs who is missing comes back. So, hey, he gets one of his little doggies back. Mm. Uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. But then it just goes downhill even more. So next, James and his father, um, what they do is they go around the neighborhood making the neighbors suspicious of Grimsdyke so that they forbid their children from going to visit him and it's even, they like imply that he has uh, horrible motives for being around the children, which is really sad. So now he no longer has the children, no wife, no dogs, no children to talk to in the neighborhood. He's still, he's very sad of course, but he's still keeping a good attitude until it's time for the last move on Valentine's day. He sends fake letters from people all over town. Inside each letter is a cruel and insulting poem, just telling him how much they hate him. Okay, so nobody sees him for a week and James and his father go to check on him and they find that instead of deciding to sell his property and move, he has hung himself and he's just been dead in his house for a week. So yeah, sad stuff. Next, it's a year later. On Valentine's Day, um, the anniversary of his suicide, in a great scene, I love this, Grimsdyke rises from Mm -hmm. his grave as a zombie, and he sneaks into James's house and takes his revenge. Uh, Then the next morning, James's father comes downstairs and finds him dead, covered in blood. He also finds a piece of paper crumpled up, and Mm -hmm. on that paper, written in blood, is this, Happy Valentine's Day. You were mean and cruel right from the start. Now you really have no, he opens up the paper and there's James's heart <laughs> mm. removed from his body. And did you guys see that it was still beating for some reason?
1: Oh, I didn't see that. Yeah, oh, yeah it's so awesome. beating. That's awesome, I
0: didn't see that. The heart is still beating. Okay, so I've already said a lot, but uh, let's have, I don't know, Justin, you go first on this one. What did you think of Poetic Justice?
1: Oh. I mean i'm a sucker for a little man story you know mm-hmm. looking out for the little guy against uh, the elitist well to do so yeah it was good to um to see him be able to strike back after death because he had no power in life and uh the cruelty is really chilling i mean the um the guy James, I mean, he just, like, goes way out of his way. I mean, his, his like, father and his business associate or the mayor, whoever he is, they all kind of push back a little bit. Like, is it really, like, worth all this? And he's just really cruel. Um, yeah,
0: he's so, obsessed with destroying him, right? Yep. So, yeah, it's uh, I enjoyed it. Yeah, and it's not for any reason, like, oh, this guy – he's more successful than me or he's a, an enemy. He's just, I just don't like that poor guy over there being poor <laughs> the with his value of my land. And then when they yeah, go inside, remember it's like well-kept. It's really nice inside. Yeah. He doesn't have much, but he takes care of what he has. Mia, that's what did cool. you think about this one? Um,
2: I I enjoyed it. Um, I thought it was particularly cruel on James's part to treat Mr. Um, Grimsdyke like that it was so sad you know the man already lost his wife taking away his doggies I mean I love my doggie and I can't imagine getting we'll kill for you however, climbers. don't you many, worry boo you know <laughs> don't you worry and then like being just like cruel just because you don't like his house just it's like he has no other anything else in his life other than destroy somebody else's and um, I mean it, it was awesome and it kind of reminded me of Creep Show. I think it was at the one where like the birth ca- birthday cake with the where the uh, dad comes back.
0: Yeah, yeah.
2: <laughs> That's what it kind of reminded uh, me of. Yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh but um I enjoyed it. I like that he got his come up and I like that he wrote a poem about it at the end. <laughs>
0: yeah. <laughs> even ends with a little poem. Uh so this one says, this is
1: right poetry. <laughs> yeah. yeah
0: this is about as classic an EC story as you can get. I mean, the idea of someone coming back as a zombie to get revenge after they've been wronged is that was done many, many times and I love it. I can't get enough of it. Um, So, I I mean, I think it's pretty obvious. I like this one. I think in part of it's because Peter Cushing does such a great job. He's such, I mean, from the moment you see him, he's just such a sympathetic character. You just like him and they're so mean to him but I think I mean he was a great actor. But I think part of the reason that this he did so well in this role is because in real life, the year before this movie came out, his his wife had actually died. Mm-hmm. And one thing you learn about Peter Cushing is everyone who who's ever talked about him, who knew him, will say the same thing. After his wife died, uh, he was a broken man. Like, uh, he, never, he never recovered from that. He just kind of drifted through life after that, waiting to die to join his wife. I mean, so I think this role was pretty... um, Yeah, it was something he could really relate to. Now, this one is pretty close to the comic with a few changes. Um, but they changed the characters' names in a lot of these stories for some reason. But in the movie, they make the character James more of the main villain with his father being, I mean, still cruel. He helps, but he's less cruel. You know, he's the one who's kind of like, eh, do we really need to do all this? Okay. Um, and in the comic, even the townspeople are worse. They, they're, they get the idea to send the the Valentine's day letters from James and his father, but they're actually the ones who do it. They're like, yeah, let's send them mean letters. Whereas in the movie, it's him pretending they're from the town people. Um, also, instead of implying that Grimsdyke has bad intentions towards the children in the comic, they blame him when one of the kids gets sick, saying it's from the candy that he gives the kids. And so, oh, another thing I really like was the poem was actually added. The final poem was actually added to the movie. Um, in the comic, he just opens up and sees the heart. But here you get the little poem, which is very, hey, poetic justice, right?
1: I like the poem.
0: So, oh, i glad mean, yeah. they added that. Yeah, it's a nice little touch. And some of the poems he reads um, that are sent to him are really, really mean. What is the yeah. one that says, Some people live in the city, some people live in the town. Why don't you do us a service and jump in the river and drown? Just really cruel stuff. But, anyways, yeah, maybe my favorite segment. Justin, do you want to take segment number four? Wish you were here from Haunt of Fear number 22. Yeah.
1: I'll take the monkey's paw. I mean, they call it something else, but um, we might as well just call
0: it the monkey's paw as far as I'm concerned. Uh, Well, sorry to cut you off before we get into it, but I want to ask you, the reason I gave this one to you was when we were younger, the monkey's paw story, we had a babysitter who you remember. um, And I think the babysitter's daughter told us the monkey's paw story. Do you remember that?
1: Gosh, I do not.
0: Tell me. I want to hear it. Tell me your memory. Yeah. So we were very, very young and we had a babysitter, um, that we spent a lot of time with and she had a daughter who was older than us. And I think it was the daughter who told us the story of the monkey's paw. So how old was I then? Like four or five, you know, very young.
2: Wow. Yep. You can remember that.
0: Yep. yep. Yeah. Well, I remember because it scared the hell out of me. She <laughs> told us this monkey paws story and, uh, Doesn't end well. Monkey's paw story doesn't end well. It's a cautionary tale. (laughs) Yeah, the monkey's paw story. If any of you don't know, it's about they they get a monkey's paw. They can tell three story or they get three wishes, but they're you know it's the evil genie thing. If your wish comes true literally and it backfires, so the woman's son gets mutilated in a factory accident. She wishes to have him come back, but when he comes back, they realize that he's coming back in pieces. So then they wish him dead again right so that story freaked me out hearing that as a little kid uh so anyways it made me think of that so this is why that's why i chose you for this one justin so
1: awesome um
0: the monkey's paul uh, this one's called wish you were here tell us
1: i I love how much shared trauma we get to have over this podcast um so (laughs) i have two things i want to say about this before uh before i jump into the details um And one is I really like the monkey's paw story as evidenced by Jared's recount here. I think it's, it's a nice telling of basically the old genie story. It's really creepy. Um, It's very visual. Um, So just that it like bothers to try to imitate that. Uh, It's a really high bar and they do okay with it. Right. I mean, so like, it's not as good as The Monkey's Fall and the spin on it is is fine, um, but it hardly warrants its own thing to be excited about, I guess. The second thing that I wanted to say about it before I jump into the recap is, uh, you know, one of the things that I've been thinking a lot about and doing in other in, uh, like content entertainment and stuff is, is trying to... Um, teach AI to know what we want not just what we say and this (laughs) is just such a beautiful example of something uh, taking the kind of uh, direct intent but in a maligned way in these cases and misinterpreting what you would say it's really a beautiful story or a beautiful case that highlights the uh, AI alignment problem Mm. Um, so just wanted to kind of uh, uh, put, put that in there but so to do my fair share for recapping, so there's a wealthy businessman and his name is Ralph and he's in a lot of debt because some of his, um, some of his investments didn't go well. And so he's like working through with his accountant, trying to figure out like what to sell, what not to sell. Um, and so that's kind of a situation. So him and his wife are talking, uh, talking through it about it and uh, about how it's going to be a problem for them. And, you know, just by chance, they have this weird little thing um, that is a statue that they got in China where they were warned, you know, use this shit carefully. Don't fuck around (laughs) with this statue that I'm giving you. And um, so uh and here's where the monkeys fall thing like kicks in right so the wife is like we have a problem i'm gonna wish for it to be solved and her solution is to wish for them to be rich and so her husband like immediately gets a call from charles who's like hey we gotta come and talk about some money issues and it's left a little ambiguous but their interpretation of it because of the wish they've just made is that it has to be positive so he gets in his car Um, and drives, uh, to meet Charles. And there's this really cool scene where the, uh, death, I guess, personified as a Skeletor thing on a motorcycle, uh, haunts him and eventually, uh, kills him, um, because he he doesn't make it to, uh, Charles's place. And Charles gets a phone call from the police saying that Ralph has died in an accident and for some reason they call him instead of uh ralph's uh wife enid uh and so it's like hey can Ralph you go tell was, his
0: wife for us
1: <laughs> was that yeah yeah
0: exactly. oh we, they're like hey you're, you're a friend of the family can you go tell his wife that, that he's dead thanks <laughs> <laughs> sorry
1: <laughs> so he goes over to their house and he tells tells Enid that you know Basically, she's going to be rich now. She got her wish. Um, And they talk about the monkey's paw story. I mean, you know, Charles is like, this is just like the monkey's paw story. Um, Yes. Yes, it is. Don't make stupid wishes is really the clear thing to do right now. But, um, you know, his wife can't help herself in this case. She wants him back. And so she thinks she's being clever. Which is what I like about this story. And says, bring him back immediately before he died, or immediately, no, immediately before his accident, is what she says. Mm, Seems like the right way to say, bring him back as he was right before then. Well, right before he had a heart attack and died. So (laughs) when he comes back to life, he's still as a dead person, but also as a dead person with embalming fluids inside of him. So he comes back to life and he's like, ah, 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 and he's like swinging his body out, trying to get out. Ah, Uh, it's so painful. It's what so did you do? Painful. Make it stop. <laughs> uh, at this point, <coughs> Charles <coughs> hears it, runs back in, is trying to help her restrain him. So she's like, I got this shit. I'm going <laughs> to cut him up into pieces. So she <laughs> runs and finds, like, a knife. And she's like, whack, 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 trying to cut him up into freaking pieces. And, and of course, in her wish, what she had wishes him for him to live forever. And so yeah. she wishes him to live forever. So she's cutting up pieces. Like, ah, ah, and it cuts to his, like, stomach. And you can see where he's cut up. And he's still, he's still he's still freaking living um yeah. and so he can just continues to scream because there's no more uh no more wishes for them yeah he um, can't um so yeah it was it was really it was really bad
0: <laughs> um, okay any extra i think you covered most of it any extra thoughts you want to add on this one I feel like I missed something important. Um, <laughs> There's a couple things. I'll fill it in. but yeah, Hold on let's see. Hmm. Hmm, hmm, hmm. No, you should tell it. That's the best I can do to my man. <laughs> okay. Um, so the second wish, first wish is for lots of money. Second wish is for him to come back immediately as he was right before he died. So he does come back, but he comes back in the coffin still dead because he had a heart attack. Mm-hmm. And first off, that's kind of a weird scene. Because there's a knock on the door, and these four undertakers just walk That's in right, and carrying his it. casket. I'm gonna talk about that really weird, creepy fucking scene, but but do it, you've got it. Go ahead. Yeah, so they just these four men, Undertakers who with their faces painted white, just come in with his coffin. And uh, Enid goes to open the casket, and I think it's Charles says, No, don't, he's been horribly mangled. And one of the men goes, Mangled? No, he died of a heart attack. Okay. So that's the second wish. No, the third wish was, okay, bring him back alive and I never want him to die. So she basically bring him back and make him immortal. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's when he wakes up and they're like, Oh, but he was embalmed. So his body is full of embalming fluid. It must really, really hurt. (laughs) And then of course she freaks out and, yeah, I like that there's a it's not just a knife, there's a sword. sword yeah. She grabs a sword and tries to kill him. Um <laughs> sword. Did I say knife? Oh my yeah. gosh, yeah, it's definitely yeah. a sword. You start just hacking at him. So, so yeah, that's pretty much it. But Mia, all right, I'll give you let like, your take. I have I have some more things to say, but Mia, what did you think about this one?
2: So I thought it was a fun story. Um, I like the uh the monkey. P- Monkey's paw idea, but also like that when she brought him back, he had had a heart attack, so he was still dead. And then she's like, All right, bring him back and let him live forever. And I didn't think about the embalming fluid until he wakes up <laughs> screaming, right? But the part that I enjoyed that I wasn't expecting because it was when she hacks him up and you see his intestines. And I was yeah. just like, ah! I was not expecting There's
0: like a- yeah, there's like half a second. It caught me off guard too. Where you see his stomach cut open and see all his guts just kind of there. It's really intense for this kind of movie. But yeah, uh, yeah go ahead. Anything else?
2: And his hand. And his hand was like next to him. <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah, his hand got cut off, and it's like just flopping around near his face. <laughs> um, yeah. So this one, I mean, it's a. This is probably my second least favorite. Um, i I like it still but it feels a bit forced to me in some ways like the characters constantly have to explain to you what's going on like immediately someone knows what's happening yeah like why is he screaming oh he died so he must have been embalmed it must be very painful to be embalmed (laughs) um but the 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 idea of being forced to live forever in terrible agony is great, especially after you've been cut to pieces. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, I like this one. Um, but like I said, it's just a little forced in some places where you have people just immediately telling us what we need to know, even with The Monkey's Paw. Like, we know it's about The Monkey's Paw. And someone says, oh, this is like the story of The Monkey's Paw. Do you remember what happens? We should be careful. So,
1: But this is the best this- one ever.
0: Number five is the best
1: one. I'm All really right. excited for you to tell me about Blind Alleys because this was my favorite one.
0: <laughs> okay. But first, I've got to tell you my comparison to the comic books on this one. Oh, so, jump in the gun yeah. again. This one was Haunt of Fear number 22. Okay. Again, very close to the comic. Um, for the movie, they added the part with the man on the motorcycle, which I liked because um, it's like he's being chased by death. You know, like the power of the monkey's paw has literally summoned death to chase him. Uh, And there's a little bit of an action to the scene, in a movie that doesn't have much action. Now, the main difference is the comic, the ending is even more graphic. Uh, So the first thing she does is she shoots him. She grabs a rifle and she shoots him to try to kill him. That doesn't work. So then uh, instead of a sword, she does grab a knife and just starts cutting him to pieces but instead of like just cutting him up a little bit, she cuts him into tiny, tiny pieces. And the story ends with the pieces still like shaking. Um, so, <laughs> yeah, a lot more grotesque in the comic. Mm. But um, we
1: should ban those comics. That's what I think about yeah. that grotesqueness. Do away with them. They're perverting the youth. Well, so, um, number freedom, five.
0: That's what I know about that. Mm. <laughs> I don't like things that scare me uh blind alleys this one comes from tales from the crypt number 46 it's our fifth and final segment okay Mm -hmm. um i like this one because the main character okay well let me start off there's a retired military officer his name is major rogers and he takes a new job as the leader of a home for the the blind and elderly now i had a professor who was a lot like mr major rogers Mm -hmm. so watching this it yeah, it's really funny to me. Just these both. They look similar. They have similar personalities, like really stern, retired military guys. But anyways. So he goes to this home for the blind. He's going to be the, the leader there. He also brings with him his German shepherd named Shane, uh, which German shepherds. I love them. Beautiful dogs. I've worked with a lot of German shepherds. They, they can be kind of intimidating. <laughs> um Major Rogers, who I'm going to try really hard not to call Mr. Rogers. um, Mm. (laughs) Very different characters. Major Rogers, yes, quickly reveals himself to be extremely callous towards the men he's supposed to be taking care of. Uh, He finds ways to save money at their expense. Uh, The first thing he does is in the middle of winter, he starts turning off the, uh, the heat during the middle of the night, so they're all very cold. Now, one of the men mr carter who's sort of the leader um who's played by patrick mcgee remember that name because he will come up again later in another episode he attempts to reason with him explaining that uh i'm not sure how much truth there is to this really but um he explains that because the men are blind the rest of their uh, senses are more sensitive so hey if it's cold we really feel the cold you know but of course major rogers refuses to listen to him The next thing he does, Major Rogers, is he cuts down on their food supply. He gives them, they only get like one serving of this sloth, basically, that's garbage. So Mr. Um, Carter and some of the other men this time go to confront him again. And he's like, "Um, hey, you know, all this money you're saving, you're kind of using it on yourself. Your office has all kinds of nice paintings. You're drinking wine, eating steak. We're cold and hungry and eating garbage and he's dismissive of them and when they get angry he kind of uh sick shame the german shepherd on them to frighten them away so one night one of the men dies uh one of the old blind men dies from the conditions in the home you know he's basically uh i'm sure he's malnourished and he's been dealing with this freezing cold and he dies so they come up with a plan to get revenge They gather some of their food, and they use it to lead the dog into a closet in the basement where they trap him in this closet. And then they all gang up on uh, Major Rogers and lock him in another room in the basement. Now, for two days, Major Rogers is stuck inside this closet. And all he can really hear is the sounds of the men are building something outside of the room. And the sounds of his dog barking and growling because it's hungry. <laughs> and he's like, hey, can you guys feed my dog? He's going to be very mean if you do not feed my dog. And uh, Mr. Carr's like, I know, Mr. Major Rogers, I know. <laughs> um, so, yeah, it's kind of a tense scene because all you hear is that building sound. They're doing something and the dog barking for a long time. And finally, when they open the door to let Major Rogers out, And he realizes they've built like a passageway um, for him. And he starts following along the passageway. And as he feels his way through, the passage starts to become thinner and thinner. And he realizes they've covered the walls with hundreds of razor blades. Okay. He goes (laughs) through the other side. And at the other side of the hallway, it goes straight to the closet that his dog is locked in someone pulls a string opening the door for the dog and the dog comes running out and chasing him. So now he's got to run back towards that thin passageway covered in razor blades. And right as he gets there, someone turns off the lights and you hear him screaming. And that's the end of that story. All right, Justin, what have you got to say about this one?
1: (sighs) Yeah, so I like this one too. For reasons of other things i have going on in life which is i use this concept often called administrative evil which is when people within organizations don't necessarily do it purposely like this character does but uses organizations to do horrible things to the vulnerable and so i love this story because the vulnerable fight back And kick the ass of the administrator who was torturing, I mean, who was mistreating them. And, um, so I like that there. I like also, um, the Mr. Carter character. I think he does Patrick McGee does a really good job with that character. So enjoy him as their kind of leader. And then, you know, these are some pretty, uh, pretty sadistic, um, Group of old
0: blind,
1: blind men uh, to think up to build a passage and put razors in it. Uh, that part <laughs> caught me a little off guard. I saw the dog thing kind of coming there after a little bit, but the uh, the razors seemed like a a particular piece that leaves you, uh, you know, uh, feeling glad they revenged, but also <laughs> maybe there are no heroes. <laughs> when it was present so I, I i i really like this one though. this one's probably my favorite and there's just some there's just some like silly attempts to to recreate what old blind men might how they might behave trying to build things <laughs> that i mean it's a little goofy and a little silly um and so that was kind of fun too
0: all right, Mia, what did you think about the final segment of the movie?
2: <laughs> well, I have to agree with Justin. It was a little goofy and a little fun. I mean, I like that they were, like Justin said, sadistic and creative in the ways that they were going to get back at. Um... At Major Rogers, you like the Um, sadistic
1: and creative part of getting back at uh, someone?
2: Yes, because I was not expecting it. I mean, when I saw them building the maze, I was like, "Well, come on!" I mean, there's like a scene where you see one of them like hitting the nail over and over, (laughs) and I was like, "God, they're blind!" But. but I like the creativity. I thought it was funny. Some of it threw me, threw me off because I was like, well, if they can't see, how are they putting up the razors? But I understand this is a story. But, and it was just in fun in general. So it was great. I also like how they were like, whenever the one guy came in to check over after like the weekend or something like that, he came, they, he came in and checked. They were like waited till he came in and they pushed him in. And then they like shoved him in a closet using their walking canes. <laughs>
0: Yeah. yeah Yeah, they don't know you don't really know what happens to that guy i mean he wasn't really he wasn't cruel to them but he didn't stop the situation so they're like look we're not going to let you stop this from happening it's <laughs> yeah, more of the administrative evil thing right there Yeah, and they just yeah, show him yeah, so like in a happen. closet
2: yeah. Yeah. yeah so like but but who's gonna make their food moving forward <laughs> but i like <laughs> It was a fun story. I had my, my problems with it, but I understand. It was like just to keep the story going and the creativity of it all, I, I give it props. It was a fun one.
0: All right. So this one, yeah, I loved it. I love the uh the over the top creativity of the revenge scene. You know, <laughs> uh, you could just beat the guy to death. But no, you've got to build this whole like saw like torture chamber. Um. This one, again, it it really gets the EC tradition, you know, of horrible people being punished in brutal and kind of poetic justice type ways. Right. So he has this dog that he uses to um, control people and the dog gets turned on him. He starves them. So he gets starved. Um, Yeah, this one is I love it. This one is very close. Again, most of them, they're all close to the original story, except the original one is more, even more exaggerated, kind of like the last story. Um, So in the comic, the blind men suffer for years, apparently under this guy. Um, And their caretaker is even more cruel. And this one, he just is very cheap and he doesn't care that they're suffering. But in the comic, he, he is very sadistic and just messes with them for fun. Like he trips them. Uh, he will move things around. So they get lost and fall and trip. Yeah. He's, just, he's even more sadistic in the, the comic. So the other difference is instead of just building like a passageway with a narrow area, they build an entire maze in the basement filled with razors and let the dog loose in it. So that's, that's, that's all the segments. Now we've kind of skipped over in between the segments. You go back to the characters in the catacombs very briefly. Uh, all, you, all that really happens in most of those scenes is people they're confused and they're asking like, why are we here? Oh, that story, I would never do that, or something like that. But now it's time for the big twist of the movie. We find out who the Crypt Keeper is. Um, Mia, do you want to take the, uh, the ending here? Tell us what the big twist is.
1: Can
2: yeah. So at the end, the creep creeper tells them all that they can leave. A door opens up with a bright light. The creeper. The
1: I'm creeper. sorry, the
2: creeper. The creeper. You <laughs> <the laughs> <group> know, creeper, <laughs> those
1: creepers send them to hell.
2: The crypt creeper tells them that the stories are not warnings, but actually true. And for their sins, they're basically in hell. A man steps out and falls, falls into like a fiery pit, and then in a sort of trance, all the other ones get up and start walking and follow behind him. And the crypt keeper warns that we would be next. He kind of looks at the camera and be like, "You will be next."
0: Yeah, so dead. that's the 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 twist. They're all they're all actually dead, which isn't much of a twist because they all die in their stories. But you've gone through the movie, you could think it's a warning of what they could do,
1: but instead it's like, no,
0: you all did this and now you're in hell, basically. Which, there's a couple problems, like the one guy, the whole point was he couldn't die, the monkey's paw guy. Um, but anyways, so, the, I will say that 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 one shot, the special effects, for 1972 it's fine, but it's not too impressive where he falls into the the hell pit. <laughs> It reminds great. me of... Do you, uh,
2: do you guys remember Quantum Leap when the door opens behind him or something like that? Oh do you guys gosh.
0: remember that? <laughs> that's funny. I don't remember that. Oh, yeah, and that's then pretty, it ends uh, with kind of a cheesy moment of the Crypt Keeper going, who's next? Could it be you? And he looks right at the camera. So, yeah, that's that's Tales from the Crypt, the movie, 1972. All right. Do you guys want to... Um, wow, this one's has gone kind of long. Do you guys want to rank your favorites or say your favorites can you put them in order
2: uh yeah so my order would be uh I really enjoyed the blind one at first I had my issues with it but now that I really and I see the humor mostly in it
0: yeah (laughs) Mm -hmm.
2: I think that one's number one uh and number two would be um the uh what uh, the poetic justice mm-hmm. number three would be the zombie guy number four would be um well zombie guy i'm sorry uh number three would be um the uh the guy that gets um
0: the motor uh, the, the car crash
2: yes the car crash
0: yeah
2: and then it's the then i get the guy the guy that gets hacked up does that cover all of them
0: yeah, I can't I
1: can't keep five in my mind. Uh,
0: I think the last one you were missing oh, was. The very last
2: house. one would be the Santa Claus one.
0: Yeah, all through the house. All right, Justin. Uh
1: I like I like the final one um as my favorite probably. Um I like um the monkeys paul one is probably second. Week. Um, then the, the one with Carl leaving his wife and dying over and over again, <laughs> then poetic justice, I guess. And then, yeah, I didn't really care for the first one that much. So then finally the first one that's, but five things that wants to rank is a lot team. We've got to get our numbers down. I'm, I can't hold that many things in my head at once. Okay.
0: Well, here's mine. Starting off with number five, my least favorite. Would be reflection of death, uh, the one with the the car accident story, and then I think number four would be wish you were here, the monkey monkeys paul story. Then I think third would probably be and all through the house, the Santa Claus story. Number two will be blind alleys with the the blind men getting revenge, and then my favorite will be poetic justice, justice. with Peter Cushing coming back as a zombie. Yeah. So there you go, and that's really all uh, for for this one. Um, yeah, again, reminder to everybody: this is just one of many. I think they did like six or seven, probably six anthology films. Uh, Amicus did several of those. If you like this one, please check out the rest. I don't think this is the best one. I think there are some better ones, like um, I think maybe Asylum is yeah. my favorite, but this was pretty good. Uh, So check those out and check out those old EC comics, especially the horror ones, but don't overlook the other titles. There was Weird Science, Weird Fantasy, uh, Crime Suspense Stories, Shock Suspense Stories. They're all great from about 1949 to 55. All that stuff is great. Uh, After this movie, the next year they did Vault of Horror, which was not as good as this one, I don't think, but still worth watching. All right, we've gone on for a while. Anything else to say about this movie before we move on? Nope, I'm tired. That's all I got. Mm. All right. So the next episode will be episode 29, and it's Justin's pick. Uh, Justin, tell us what you picked. Well, I
1: picked Stanley Kubrick's A Clockwork Orange. Ooh, intense. I want to do A Clockwork Orange for two reasons. One, it has some of the most visually moving scenes of any horror movie I've ever seen for how it impacted me. And if it was ever relevant, it is as relevant today as it was when it was made. (laughs) That's what I'll say about that for for a teaser.
0: All right. A Clockwork Orange, the Stanley Kubrick film. It will be our second Stanley Kubrick film, and yeah, I mean, A Clockwork Orange is a masterpiece. If you haven't seen it, please watch it and watch it with us, I think. Some people consider it one of the most disturbing movies ever made. It's a very, very effective film. And, and the reason I watched it
1: the first time was you selling me on it being one of the most disturbing films you'd ever seen.
0: Yeah. My attention. And it's not really it's not really a horror movie. I mean, it's horrific and disturbing, but... Uh, yeah we'll just hold that thought for until the next episode before we get into it too much but uh, there's also a book everybody if you want to read the book yeah do it (gasps) read 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 okay okay that's all for today um justin mia say goodbye
2: goodbye everyone goodbye
0: Goodbye.
1: say goodbye. goodbye everybody
0: see you next time for a clockwork orange